Josefina, is there anything you want to say about the Nito ATP finals this year? Of course. All right, you can say it. I was right. I called it from before the tournament even started, and Medvedev won. I was right. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Hold On to Your Racket, the podcast for Gen Z tennis fans. We're your hosts, Travia and Josefina. Josefina and I are so excited to be creating this podcast and sharing our love for tennis with you all. Shravi and I are two high school gals and tennis fanatics united together by our on-the-court and off-the-court companionship. And we're the young female voices in modern-day tennis you've been looking for. So we hope you enjoy this episode and stay tuned for more. Alright guys, welcome to this episode of Hold On To Your Racket, episode 31. And well, today we're going to be recapping the NITO ATP Finals. And we obviously, as always have some hot headlines for you so it's almost thanksgiving in the u.s today is november 24th so we want to make sure that before you go into the long weekend you're caught up on everything in the tennis world so josephina take it away with our first hot headline well starting off we have a statement from a pretty well-known player andy murray who said that the atp should have a domestic abuse policy and this was in almost direct correlation to the zverev incident Exactly. So there was an article in The Guardian that came out recently, and um, Murray was quoted saying in it, quote, I read some stuff, and obviously tennis doesn't have a domestic abuse policy. That is something that we as a sport should be looking into so the ATP know what to do in that situation rather than having to think and react to it. They can be a bit more proactive in a situation like that. They need to take it extremely seriously and see what comes of it in the coming months, end quote. And just to refresh your mind, we did mention this statement in a previous episode. The actual ATP statement was, we expect players to, quote, refrain from any conduct that is violent, abusive, or puts others at risk, end quote. So, like he said, he doesn't believe that they were taking enough action on it. And he even called them out also for releasing the statement so late in the event because their response was not immediate when it was clear the situation was dire. Yeah, it was only after a lot of fan backlash that the ATP actually responded um, to the Olya Sharapova incident. So it's good that we have a high profile tennis player speaking out, even though like he's advocating for what should be the bare minimum policy exactly and the next hot headline we have is some info regarding the australian open which would be the next grand slam happening in the tennis world so what's happening there is that there is a possible postponement well actually it's pretty much they're pretty much saying that it's definitely going to be postponed it's just a matter of how long Yeah, it's a little unclear there. As you know, Australia is a country that's done a really good job of getting the pandemic under control. So in terms of the Australian Open, all the ideas that they've come up with for implementing it require a lot of strict quarantine guidelines for the players. And they want to make sure that they can avoid any sort of outbreak or anything that would put people at risk in their country. Um, Because um, to my knowledge, the Australian Open was also having was was also planning on having fans there because they've reached that stage of recovery, but they want to make sure everything can go safely. So the Australian Open tournament director and the Tennis Australia director, Craig Tiley, said on Sunday that the final dates for the Melbourne Park Grand Slam should be confirmed within the next two weeks. 
and the Australian Open was scheduled to start on the 18th of January, but might be postponed for a couple of weeks, but not pushed back to later in, uh, not pushed back to later in February or March, as there will be some American hardcore tournaments such as Indian Wells and the Miami one going on then. Yeah. Yeah, so there's still some uncertainty surrounding it. Obviously, if it's postponed, it would be a significant change in the tennis calendar. And, you know, it's kind of soon. It's like less than two months away. So there's definitely a lot of stuff to sort out till then. Um, the state of Victoria Sports and Tourism Minister recently said, um, we quote, we've, all, we've got obviously a huge amount of complexity in negotiating with both Tennis Australia, but also with the ATP and the WTA. The exact nature of that quarantine, whether or not it's their own bubble or something more common, is still part of those conversations. The quarantine requirements will be those that are ultimately agreed with the public health, and then it will be a matter for the ATP and the WTA about whether or not they're acceptable, close quote. So in terms of the quarantine requirements, what he's talking about there is um, whether or not player when players will have to arrive. So if they have to arrive, for example, two weeks prior to the start of the tournament and quarantine for those two weeks, and also if players will be allowed to practice during those two weeks. Because initially, Tennis Australia had the plan that they'd be able to practice kind of within a bubble. Um, but now it's becoming unclear whether or not players will be even able to practice or how that logistic logistical element will work out. I just think the most important part is that they were very like exactly what the tour- tourism minister said is that they're taking in account the public health so not just the players that has like for example in the French Open where the tournament went on it happened without even some of the details being finalized so that obviously didn't go very well but they're really making sure everything is down which is why they're postponing it yeah, and I think what you're talking about, about not really going well, was specifically where we talked about Alexander Zverev getting sick and them not really taking that seriously, that being a key example. Um, but also, I think it's important to acknowledge that the world doesn't revolve around sporting events, so we should be like extremely grateful that these Grand Slams are still able to happen and obviously respect any decisions this, the country makes, um, the country being Australia makes regarding the Grand Slams since they have done such a good job of keeping the virus under control and don't want it to get any worse. So diving right back into the tennis, we have the last event of the entire professional tennis year and it is the Nito ATP finals and Medvedev took the title he defeated team 4-6-7-6-6-4 and he ends the season on a winning streak from winning the Paris Masters prior to this tournament and he went undefeated in Nito he went into the finals coming off of that epic win versus Nadal in the semis and just a little history behind that the last is the last champion in the O2 arena in contrast to the first champion in the O2 arena also being a Russian, Nikolai Davidenko, who won in 2009. And he is also the only, he as in Medvedev is the only player to have beaten the world number one, two, and three on the way to the title. And he ended his season on a very high note. Yeah, I mean, I think it's, there's a lot of great stats from just what, he accomplished after winning the title the thing about Davidenko the thing about um going undefeated beating the world's number one two and three being Djokovic Nadal and Tien and 
for the record, we said this, you know, Josefina and I are kind of on a pretty nice streak of making some bold predictions. I remember we talked about Iga Swiatek at Roland Garros, and now, Josefina, your hunch about Medvedev doing well in this tournament was absolutely correct. Yeah, I even said I was 100% sure he was going to, well, maybe like 89% sure, but still, nonetheless, I was right, and I love to rub it in people's faces. Yeah, we actually were talking about it at tennis with the, one of our coaches who was very confident that Dominic Thiem would win, but um, Josefina was eventually correct about the outcome of the match. And also, like, I remember in our Paris preview episode, I think, we were, ta- we were doing, like, our draw analysis or whatever, and I was talking about Medvedev, and I was like, yeah, I don't really think he's had a great season, so I don't really think he's going to do anything here. And then he won the whole tournament, and then I was like, oh, and then he went on to win all five matches and win this too. So that was pretty epic. Exactly. So just to discuss the, ma- the match a little bit. Um, well, actually, I do, I do want to mention something about the semifinals, though, with um, Nadal and Medvedev. Nadal actually was serving for the match in the second set. He was up, um, I believe he was up five-something, and he was pretty close to clinching the win, but the Russian was able to battle back, and he did very similarly in the final versus TM, he won 4-6-7-6-6-4. So it was definitely a tight first set. Well, it was a tight match throughout, but um, he was definitely able to turn it around. But also should not discredit Dominic Team, who's had obviously an amazing tournament and arguably a better season than, than uh, Medvedev overall. He beat Djokovic in the semifinals. Um, which was incredibly close, seven five six seven seven six. He had four match points. He as in team had four match points in the second set, but ultimately needed a total of six match points to close out the match. But I think just overall this season, Dominic Team has definitely proven that. I think a lot of people called him like the Prince of Clay, in contra- like comparing him with Nadal um, as the next best clay corp. Player, but I feel like the last few months have definitely showed that he can also bring it on the hard court. So I'm definitely excited to see him in 2021. Which I actually, I find that pretty ironic because Nadal also, of course, he's the king of clay, but he does his fair share of damage on hard court. He has a pretty solid amount of US Open titles. And even though grass may not be his thing, hard courts and clay are definitely up there. Yeah, although unfortunately Nadal wasn't able to clinch his um, first ever Nito ATP final or ATP finals title this year, I feel like the indoor hard courts might be a little bit of a harder surface for him because that is a bit separate from just like the regular hard courts. Um, so that was we're going to talk about that a bit later too, though. But um, I still think yeah, stellar performance from Dominic Team as well. Yeah, and Dominic Tam being the good sportsman that he is, even congratulated Medvedev after in a tweet saying congrats at Daniel Medved. That's his at. <laughs> what a week. Thank you, London. It was a pleasure. Hashtag ATP pasted with a photo of their um, trophies, I guess. Them with their trophies. Yeah, and then um, Medvedev also responded to the tweet, congrats on an amazing year at Team Domi. Respect your first Grand Slam and number three in the world. Looking forward or Look forward to many more good matches in the future at ATP Tour. So great stuff from the two finalists. Um, I guess it, it's kind of sad that this was the last Nito ATP Finals to ever take place in the O2 Arena. 
and people have always praised the O2 Arena for the amazing venue that it is, and it's kind of sad that its last year was without fans and, and a totally weird year. It was year. pretty silent, actually. <laughs> yeah. And the I thing mean, is, it's such a big, loud arena. It has so much potential and just, it was Definitely weird empty. seeing, kind of like seeing Arthur Ashe Stadium completely empty during the U.S. <laughs> Open. Actually, my dad was looking up highlights of the matches one night, and he was watching a match, and then he noticed that there was fans, and he was going, whoa, why is there so many people? So it turns out he was actually watching a match from last year. <laughs> yeah. So the ATP finals will now be heading to Turin, Italy. Maybe we'll see Yannick Sinner make an appearance there. Who knows? But um, I would just say that I think the uh, ATP finals this year showed that um, everyone always talks about like the next gen but the next gen is really not next anymore. They're pretty much the now gen. Like, they're going to continue to be greater forces to reckon with on those bigger stages in the tennis world. And, you know, Djokovic was probably, like, arguably the favorite to win this tournament, perhaps with Dominic Thiem. But um, he lost to both Medvedev and Thiem, who are those, I would say, on the younger end. At least um, Medvedev is. Nadal also lost to both of them, and he has yet to clinch an ATP Finals title. So I think these players, um, these younger players, definitely have the potential to challenge um, the big three. Although the Grand Slams, that's a separate question. Yeah, I mean, something I found interesting about the match, actually, was that how Nadal and Djokovic, they're known to be kind of the baseline type of players, aggressive baseliners. And then in the final, Medvedev and team were coming up to the net so much. And that's how they won most of the points. So I thought that was really cool to see a little contrast in their playing styles and them bringing something a little, well, bringing something back to the sport, I guess. Yeah, also because I think Medvedev has a very eccentric style of play. I feel like that's what everyone says. So um, seeing him being able to take out both of um, the number one and number two and number three, actually, all three um, of the top players in the world was definitely um, cool to see. But of course, these are the top eight players in the world getting into the ATP finals. So it's interesting to wonder how they will do next year and where we'll see them at the end of next year, especially with Medvedev, who had a pretty late bloom this year with the only Paris Masters and the Nito AT well not only actually <laughs> I shouldn't underestimate it those are pretty big titles but I like he has some pretty big momentum going into next season starting off with with the Australian Open so I think it's like he has pretty good um percentages going into that yeah um yeah I I do think that they'll be going into it with momentum but again like the big question is can these players like these non-big three players bring this level of tennis and the threat that they bring to the big three can they bring that to the grand slam levels the grand slams are the most important tournaments obviously and the big three know that and they really bring it there so i mean there's a reason why nadal is 102 his record at Roland Garros. There's a reason why Roger Federer has had 20 Grand Slams and held that record for such a long time and why Nadal also has those 20. There's a reason why 
Novak Djokovic has been the king of the Australian Open for so long. Um, same with Federer at Wimbledon. There's a reason why these three guys are dominating, and that's because of their, you know, consistency at the Grand Slam level. So it's really a question of whether these players like Medvedev, Tim, Tsitsipas, Rublev, Zverev, Diego Schwartzman, um, can they bring this level to the majors? Because so far we've seen Dominic Tim be able to do so. Um, but I think that'll be the key question going into 2021. All right, so now that we have reached the end of the NATO ATP Finals, this obviously means that today we will be crowning the Tennis Ball Frizz Quiz Wiz. So currently, uh, if you don't know, by the way, the Tennis Ball Frizz Quiz is the little trivia segment that Josefina and I do here on Hold On To Your Racket. We ask tournament-themed questions to each other, multiple choice, and see if um, we get them correct. And currently, we are tied one and one. So... How about, Josephina, you take it away with the first question. Okay, so who was the first Russian to win the ATP Tour Finals? Was it A, Medvedev, B, Davidenko, C, Kafelnikov, or D, Chosnikov? Uh, Kafelnikov? Yes. Definitely not Medvedev. Like, I I know. I was just. I basically gave you three choices. You should have put Marat Safin or something as a choice. That would have thrown me off. I don't. Okay. (laughs) All right. I'll ask you my question. Which of the following ATP players won the ATP Tour Finals while being an alternate for the tournament? A. Juan Martin Del Potro. B. David Nobandian. C. Gustavo Curtin. Or D, Alex Koreha. Um, I know it's not Del Potro. Um, watch it be him. No, there's no way. My lips are Um, sealed. Oh man, this one is hard. You said this one was gonna be easy. I don't know. You spend so much time on Instagram that I thought maybe you would have seen something about it. Well, geez, my Instagram tennis feed isn't really bringing me the info I need. Um, God, I'm gonna guess D. That's incorrect. The answer was B, David Nobendian. He defeated Federer in the final in 2005. It was, this was back when they played best of five sets at the ATP Tour Finals. This match lasted four hours and 33 minutes. Oh, wow. It was well, in Shanghai. I guess it's a win well deserved. Yeah, it was in Shanghai, and I think he's, uh, Nelbandian said something like, he was like getting ready to go on vacation, and then they, and then they called him to be an alternate, and he was like, oh, okay, so he was jet lagged while he was there, and that's pretty impressive to pull that out so um atp future atp tour final players make a mental note um make sure to go somewhere where there's a 12 hour difference before you head there so you can be jet lagged and win (laughs) exactly so that concludes our tennis ball first quiz for nito um and since I'll I'll do the honors. Shravi, you are now the tennis ball frizz quiz whiz of the Nito ATP finals. So congratulations. Thank you. It, it Insert means a lot audience applause. Applause? Applause? What's the word? Applause? I was going to say applaudience. Appliances? <laughs> what? <laughs> it's been a long day. All right.
Thank you so much for joining us and that is game, set, and match for today. If you like this episode, please let us know and stay tuned for more. We'll be providing you some fun content during the off-season and updates on all the Tion tour. Email us at holdontoyourracket at gmail.com for any questions and leave a rating on whatever platform you're listening on. Hold On To Your Racket is available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts. Follow us on social media at Hold On To Your Racket on Instagram and at H-O-T-Y-R underscore tennis pod on Twitter. Our next episodes will be released soon, which will include recaps of the 2020 ATP and WTA seasons, special guests, and more fun content. And remember, my name is Josefina. And my name is Shravya. That is, if you enjoyed this episode. If you didn't like it, please tell your friends my name is Robert and Shravya's name is Steve. See you next time. <laughs> <laughs>